If you love investing and just love money in general, you need to check out this podcast. If you're into day trading, real estate, we kind of cover it all in this gambit of, of, uh, of a podcast because this Eric knows this stuff about day trading and real estate investing. And if you know anything about me, I love real estate investing. So if that's your thing, you need to check out this podcast right now. Hi, my name is Brandon and I spent the last 10 years of my life in the fitness industry in which I turned a hobby into a $100,000 a year career. But I got bored and I wanted a new challenge. The challenge, create a million dollar a year business. The only problem was I have no idea what I'm going to do. Follow me as I travel halfway across the country to start my business from zero. This podcast is to show you my struggles and successes and everything in between. Join me and follow along as I document my journey of starting over. Using only today's best networking techniques, growth hacks, and sales funnels to grow my million dollar a year business. My name is Brandon Duff, and let's change lives together. This is The Money Friends. Sweet. Thank you so much, Eric to be for jumping on a live podcast with me. I'm so excited to talk to you today because you are a day trader, and for those who that don't know what day trading is, it's a little bit different than Forex. It could be, but um, what Eric actually does is is more involved in stocks. And this is a just boring passive income, or it might not be. Who knows? Eric's going to kind of go into detail what it is he does and talk a little bit more about what he does in general. So Eric, take it away. Absolutely. So uh, ultimately, it's, it's interesting. I was uh, a manager, branch manager, I don't know, 10 years ago for... Chase Bank. In order to be a branch manager, you have to get your Series 6, 63, uh, Life and Health. And uh, so I took it a step further, got my 7, uh, so I can you know, trade funds and so on and so forth. So uh, that kind of got me interested. I've always, my dad was an investment banker growing up. So I've always been introduced to the financial industry and financial literacy. So that's kind of where it started as a kid. So initially, my passion and my goal when I was in high school, if you ask my son, he'll tell you, you know, what did your dad want to do when he grew up? And it was a stock trader. You know, I wanted to be on Wall Street. I wanted to work for a big hedge firm, you know, and I wanted to be that guy. So, uh, you know, but once I learned the hours and the commitment and <laughs> everything that goes with it, uh, you know, hence I took a, a different route. But the nice thing about today's technology is, you know, with the Internet and fast speeds, so on and so forth, is you literally have it on the fingertips. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, this is what I carry with me at all times. This is my cell phone. These are all the stocks that I'm in and out at on a daily basis. And so I use personally, my um, platform I use is TradeStation. So I've used it for the past three years and had nothing but success. So I average about $2.95 a trade. I trade anywhere from... For, you know, for what is two? I mean, I have no idea. This is more uh, for my own benefit, to be honest. But what is like $2.94 is what you said? Sure, turn out $2.95. Yeah. So like each time you trade and you place a trade both on the buy and the sell side, you pay $2.95 a transaction fee. So that's okay. how TradeStation makes their money. So a lot of platforms, there's like Robinhood, there's some other ones that are free. Uh, but again, you get what you pay for. So I like my platforms that come with a ton of options that help me trade. It's more of a, an advanced platform, you know, but I trade anywhere from 20 to 50 times a day. Wow. And is that just automation? How, how does that look like? I mean, it seems like that would take up a lot of your time. So is that really passive or what, what do you feel like? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's two different variations. There's you know day trading and there's swing trading and then there's buy and hold. So my strategy, you know, has been basically day trading. So I'm in and out. I, I have a list of stocks and my, I trade a little bit differently than most. I mean, most, uh, 
would say, you know, get up early, look at, uh, you know, trends, look at companies, do your research. Right. I've never done that and I've made a ton of money doing it. So <laughs> mine's a little unorthodox, but the way I trade is I trade by um, analytics and I trade by um, patterns. So I set what's called Bollinger Bands, which is basically like patterns that if you just say this is your screen, they go across all the way and they show the median. So it's not the high, but it's not the low. And I trade in between all day long. So it's, I'm just following the patterns. And the other thing is I've traded, I usually have about anywhere from 10 to 15 stocks that I know inside and out from just trading the same stocks the last 15 years. So I know the threshold of the highs and the lows per year. So they tend to, to follow patterns over the course of 12 months. And so I follow those patterns and I trade in between those patterns. So I get in, I'm not greedy on the high side and I'm not greedy on the low side. So as long as you can get in and out, I can trade the same stock maybe 15, 20 times a day and make a smaller profit uh, throughout the day. And with your profits, I mean, if you're trading five, six, seven times a day and you're paying these transaction fees of $2.95, $3, I mean, how does that, does that kind of calculate into your uh, profits or, I mean, is that such a low number where your margins are so much greater than what you're actually paying in fees that it, it just is a wash? Yeah, and I think it's kind of, you know, I, <laughs> if you ever like someone like my Facebook or just anything else, you know, I have a theory that I've always lived by. It's kind of go big or go home. So I trade, again, unorthodox. I trade a lot differently. So I don't go in. Well, let's, let's just use the analogy of someone that's just starting, right? You may say, let's say I have $1,000 to trade with, right? And right. you're going to pay that $2.95 every time. And, that, and actually, that's because I trade by volume. That's mine's $2.95. Most people's can be 5 or $6 a trade. So if you know you're in and out, it's going to cost you $10. So if I'm trading 10, you know, I'm, I'm buying 10 stock or 50, something of that nature, your margins are very slim. So in reality, you're, you're hurting yourself because you need it to go up a substantial amount to, to make that margin, right? right. So I go in and I, I place a, a, you know, anywhere from 7,500 shares to 10,000 shares to up to 25,000 shares, depending on the price point. My sweet point is anywhere from a dollar to $20. I stay within that margin. So I'm not trading Google. I'm not trading Tesla, even though you can make a killing on those, but you can also lose a killing. So for instance, if it swings $100 up and down within a day, you buy a thousand shares, that's a lot of money. But at the end of the day, if you catch it on the end and it goes down for a couple of weeks, you need your money, you're SOL. So, you know, I just stay away from that. And the other thing, a rule of thumb that I tell people is only play with what you can lose. Right. Similar for Vegas, right? So in Vegas, I used to remember, I, you know, I bring X amount of dollars, I put X amount in my pocket, what I make goes in my left pocket, I go home with, and I play it until my right pocket's done. When it's done, I walk away. Uh, day trading is similar because you can really get caught up in that, I'm a competitive person, I'm type A by, net, by nature, so I hate losing money. I hate losing <laughs> in life, I hate losing in sports, I hate losing in business. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> so you can get in that mode where you're like, ah, I just wanna win, you know? But you have to take a deep breath and take a step back and you can't get emotional. Similar to like when I buy real estate, it's a transaction, you know, and I know perhaps it's different variation from women and men. Women tend to, or women tend to have an emotional attachment to a piece of property. Right. I go in and I just say, how much money can I make on this property? You know what I mean? And I'm going to buy the ugliest home in the nicest neighborhood. And it's that, that's it, you know, very cut and dry. So in stocks, they're no different. So I buy the stock, I usually, and the other thing is a lot of traders will start trading at like 6.30 in the morning, uh, Pacific Standard Time. I'm, I'm in Arizona because it's 9.30 when it opens in New York. Yeah. And they're going to start with the bell and they're going to trade, you know, right when the bell opens. 
I tend to sit back, I wait two hours, and I start waiting for those trends to already start taking place, according to my analytics. So once the margins start going and I see the Bollinger Bands, I'm already predicting where it's going to go, and I'm finding those gaps, and I'm in and out of those gaps. So I'm playing, you know, and the other thing is like these big companies, they have bots, right? So mm -hmm. they're trading 100,000, 200,000, a million shares in, out, in, out. So you'll right. see it if you're watching the margin just like this constantly. So the difference is you want to be in between that bounce. So it's just, it, it takes time, but it's, it's definitely a great revenue stream. Uh, you know, I do it for fun. I don't do it for a living. Uh, but some would consider at the end of the year I can make a living off it. I mean, I do. But it's yeah. more of a side hustle. It's kind of a six-figure side hustle. No, no. And I, I've seen some of your numbers, and they're just outstanding. I think you did uh, 20,000 uh, the other day, which was quite amazing to uh, just to see some of these numbers that you can make. And not even doing it through Forex. All these people think you need to do uh, you know, Bitcoin or Forex or just trading. But you can actually just trade uh, stocks like you do, Eric and make a killing. And I think that a lot of people think that you can't make money in just traditional stocks when uh, you definitely can. So I know that you do a lot of day trading. You say, do you have some buy and hold where you kind of keep for dividends or do you just strictly just play uh, the day trading game? Yeah, I just play the day trading game. I mean, there's there's patterns and there's different variations. So like I said, I used to, to hold my licenses. And so I used to help people for a living inside the bank, but I also used to help friends and family outside of the bank. And, and the biggest thing is you want asset allocation, right? So it's no different from your stocks. So if I'm day trading, I also want a different variations to play within that day trading strategy. So I am gonna have some buy and hold. I am gonna have some swing trades where, you know, if I feel comfortable, I'll give an example, RYI, this ticker symbol HB, uh, you know, oil and gas industry. So it varies on the high end, $16, for the year, low in $3. And I kind of know the time of year when it's in each one. So for instance, you know, if I put in 10,000 shares and I'm buying it at $3, I can sit on it for up to a year, knowing that at some point in this year, it's gonna be to $15 because the last 10 years have proven that it's gonna go there at some point. And then that's the other thing is where you can't be negligent, meaning like I can't look at my numbers, I can't not look at like uh, information. So for instance, JCP, it's a brick and mortar business. Nordstrom, same thing. Sears, same thing. So if I haven't been looking at the news for the last 12 months, these numbers, it's like falling on a knife. It's just constantly going down, down, down. So the other alternative to that is there's a lot of day traders out there. Um, I'm learning to play that game as I go, but a lot of day traders out there actually short the market more than they go long. And what that means is they're banking on a company actually losing profit as opposed to gaining profit because in day trading, seven to ten out of seven out of ten trades, the, the, it's easier to make money as it's going down because it goes down faster than it goes up, right. and it takes longer longevity for it to go up than it does go down. So, you know, numbers and time will tell you that's a lot easier to make money shorting the market than it is going long. That is amazing. I, I think it's it's funny. I was in high school uh, years and years ago, and uh, I think this was during two thousand seven, eight, nine, when the stock market crashed and the housing market crashed. And I remember, uh, well, actually it was college, I can't even think straight, but I remember my, uh, like my Spanish teacher was like, yes, like I'm shorting the market, I'm making so much money because he knew that, he didn't know, but he saw the trends just like you do. And he, it was dropping so rapidly, he was making so much money. And I think the, last, the next year he was like, God, <laughs> he left the, 
from um, uh, teaching because he realized that there was so much more money to be made in uh, using having money make money for you instead of exchanging time for money. So like, obviously your dad, uh, you talked about it earlier. How do you find time to work on your business or day trade? I mean, that does take some kind of time consuming. Is there any like kind of life hacks you can give people or do you just like lock them in a pin and, and be on your way or how does that work? No, absolutely. And it's funny because we talked briefly and, you know, it's interesting that I'll just, you know, say that we met in a mastermind group, you know? And so it's interesting. If you want to learn from people, first and foremost, join the groups of where you want to go. So, and I'm teaching my son that right now. So my son is uh, very educated, straight A student since kindergarten. And I'll tell you a quick example. I, I did a post the other day and this is learned by watching, meaning like he's watching our kids are always watching what we're doing at all times. And it's soft spoken, meaning I don't have to say you're doing anything, but he's watching my actions. So he's picking up the financial literacy without me even saying anything. He's just right. watching what I'm doing. So you know, give me an example. My son's 14 years old. This was 13. So he wanted to buy a 3000 that's about $3,800 mountain bike as a 13 year old. Uh, you know, so could I write him a check? Could I? Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, what is that teaching them? Right. I mean, it's interesting. I always find that like you go to some of the upper scale high schools per se. And, and mine, when I grew up in Southern California and some of these kids are driving BMWs, Lexus, and they're brand new, you know? And so to me, even if I had the money, I'm not going to give it to them, you know, because that's not a lesson. It's almost like Warren Buffett. It's not the lesson I want to teach him. You know, it's one of those, like you can take someone fishing and right. give them some fish or you can show them how to fish and he can have dinner for a lifetime, you know, right. and it's no different. So back to my son's analogies, I just said, look, you know, you want that bike. I'll pay $500 towards your bike, but you're going to get a job. So in the state of Arizona, you can get a job at 14 with parental consent. So he said, okay. So he literally mapped out how many hours per wage, how many hours it will take to get his bike. And he had it all calculated and everything else. And so then he said, in addition, I'm going to side hustle. I'm going to tutor and I'm going to do some other things to speed up that process. And sure enough, he had his bike in three and a half months as a 14 year old. You know, so it's, you know, it's not just an adult thing. It's not just a parental thing where it's like, you know, education starts when they're little. My dad taught me about money when I was probably three, four, five years old, you know, and how money works and the, the you know, compound interest, the rule of 72. And, uh, you know, and, and so I literally, Aiden's college fund has been paid for in full and I'm 44, has been paid for for over five to six years because I started paying for Aiden's college fund before I even had Aiden, knowing that I was going to have a son or daughter that's going to go to college someday um, and compound interest is going to, so I invested in that fund for 15 years and now it's just, it's making money every year. So those are the little things that I'm teaching. So in regards to your question, as far as time, you know, again, like the same thing is stocks are going up and down rapidly. They're just bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. So, you know, use your phone today. It's, you know, your, tip, your phones are, it's a computer in your hand. So, you know, you can run multiple businesses on your phone and you can leverage and automate your, your businesses literally on your phone. And so, you know, and we had a brief conversation about multiple streams of income, you know, and that's just one of my revenues. You know, I know we both share a passion for real estate and, and buying and holding and, and obviously investment properties, commercial properties, so on and so forth. And so that's another revenue stream. I also own a production company. So, you know, it's just things that you know, you do to manage your time and to manage your money. And, and the biggest thing is, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks to everybody about the four, the four quadrants, right? It's in my early twenties, I was in quadrant run one, you know, then I learned about quadrant two as a real estate agent. Then I learned about hiring agents in quadrant three. And then eventually I bought and hold real estate and I'm paying it off and that's quadrant four. So, 
eventually everybody's goal should be to be in quadrant four when you're in your, you know, if you can do it in your thirties and forties, great, but most people fifties, early sixties where you're having retirement, but you don't want to just retire on just one nest egg, i.e. your social security or a lump sum investment from your work or a 401k, you know, because that eventually with inflation and just cost of living and, you know, it, it will, it'll run out. So you yeah. need other revenue streams to, you know, to secure yourself. And that's why they say cash flow is king because you can rely on that cash flow to come each month, kind of like a, a social security, because I believe it doesn't run out. Um, I, I don't know, I've never had social security, but that's why I always talk about people with the 401ks is if you look at one, it's a kind of a guessing game because obviously the, the market's cyclical, so it goes ups and, up and down. And if you retire when the market's down, you're gonna have a much smaller nest egg to retire on. And like you said, once that income is gone, that income is gone and you can no longer recover it. So that's why like me and you, we invest in real estate because our tenants are one paying it down, bringing tax benefits. Uh, the way that passive income is taxed different than active income. So you get all sorts of tax benefits. Uh, you get appreciation, you get cash flow or debt pay down, all these benefits from real estate, which I think is amazing. Obviously my wife does her 401k because she has her matching contributions from, uh, from just her employer. Unlike us, where we really don't get that that uh, benefit, um, but you know, like something where you can use a self-directed IRA, where you can use them to buy for real estate, and then obviously pay your back yourself back through real estate is another way to leverage uh, a uh, IRA. Um, so there's all sorts of ways and way uh, tricks you can use to make more money uh, just by one stream of income. But I find it really important to work on one income stream at a time. I'm sure when you were building your portfolio, you weren't spreading yourself thin. Uh, you were kind of going one thing at a time or how do you actually grow your, uh, did you take one income stream at a time or did you kind of, and then make it passive or did you just kind of do it all at the same time and just hope that you had a lot of money and it all worked out? <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting though. I say there's so many ways you can slice a cat, right? Or slice whatever you call it. But so my strategy in my early twenties was, you know, I always made really good money. Um, considerably to my age group. So when I got a job, I used to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. That was my first job out of college, but I had already interned three years prior to that. So I was an assistant manager within like three months. I was a manager within a year and a half, uh, you know, area manager within three years. So, you know, but I was always taught that, you know, you save immediately. The biggest rule of thumb that I could tell anybody, no matter what it is, is pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. Before you pay your bills, before you pay anything, you pay yourself first. So you put money aside. Usually I would recommend 15%, stretch it if you can. Uh, but at the end of the day, make sure that money comes off the top. So if you're in a corporation, money off the top would be your 401k. It's all pre-tax dollars. Max it out. So especially if, like you said, your wife, if you have a matching contribution, most companies are 5 to 10% if they're really nice. Up to some, I've seen like Boeing, some of the other ones are 15%. Wow. then match whatever percentage they're giving you because that's free money. Right. So you, you feel you not to. And then what you want to do is you budget around that number. So if you have to, you know, especially if you're in your early 20s, late 20s, early 30s, you know, starting a family, I know it can be hard, but trust me, when you're in your 40s, when other people aren't, you're going to be sitting back saying, I'm glad I did it. So, you know what I mean? Always pay yourself first. And then my other strategy was just to put money away. And so Interestingly enough, I bought my first house when I was 22, bought my second when I was 24, bought my third when I was 26, and I had a portfolio of 47 by the time I was 30. So, and how I did that was just kind of, you talked about, I leveraged uh, one house, 
pull, and this is, mind you, I started in Southern California, so it was a lot easier than most of the other country, but, you know, appreciation was going up at one point in 2003 to 2005, it was going up almost 30,000 a month on each house. So it was a lot easier to do it than say, if you're in the Midwest or some of the other places, but, you know, I buy one, I'd sit on it for six to eight months. I would take a home equity line of credit. I would take that money out. I'd buy property two. I'd sit on property two for two years. I'd take money out of property two to buy property three. Now I have three earned assets. And meanwhile, property one, property two, it's now been four or five years, have also gone up even more so I can increase my line of credit on those houses as well. So there's a saying OPM, which is other people's money. So if you can truly understand that and leverage that money, you can buy, you know, it, it, nowhere else in the you know, other asset can you take $5,000, $8,000, $10,000 and turn it into a $300,000 asset, a $500,000 asset, i.e. A, a house. So, you know, some people, it, it's a mindset as well. Some people will look right. at it as a liability. I put the house on the asset side. So, you know, yeah, I look at it. I totally agree with you. Like for a lot of people call it the burn method where you uh, buy, refinance, uh, repair, refinance, uh, rent, or sorry, rent, refinance, and then uh, repeat. Uh, similar thing where you're using your, so for me, I, I actually refinance my properties. I'm going to start, they're a little bit smaller in, um, in I guess, uh, appreciation or value. They're not in Southern California. I used to live in uh, Irvine. So uh, buying in Irvine uh, was impossible to have a return just because uh, the, just the um, rate of return was just horrible. My I would be negative cash flow every single month if I ever invested. I think we were, just to give you guys an example, when we moved last year, we were looking at a, I think it was a 1.2 um, square foot like condo or maybe townhouse uh it was really really small there's hoas we were in irvine so there was like uh three hoas just associated with that uh that community and i started investing in uh in las vegas and when i bought my first rental property it was like 118 and then it, now it's worth like i think 220 and i what i did was i bought it like you said the first year uh, i had to put 20 percent down i didn't do uh any kind of like house hacking where you get in at three and a half or do an FHA, never done any of that. So we bought our first one and then our second one, I did the same thing and put down 20%. And then that's when I had enough equity in the first one where I could use that, pull out the equity to put down uh, half of the down payment. And then I had to use my own money for the, the rest of it. And then as the other properties appreciated, again, I pulled out all the equity uh, refinanced them and paid down, uh, bought my first, my second floor unit, which allowed us to have 10 units. And then uh, this year we actually re are refinancing all of our rentals because they've appreciated so well. Plus the interest rates were so high uh, when we were buying them that now it's just a no brainer not to refinance. Obviously there's all sorts of tactics like you said, where you can use an equity line of credit when you have enough appreciation um, in your house or enough equity in your house, I mean. And you're able to actually pull out money much cheaper because you're not having all these fees. You're not having all these points added to a refinance. It just really depends on what your numbers are. You got to know your numbers, obviously, with anything. So that's super important. If you want to understand how to leverage money and use other people's money, uh, just learn about money. Uh, yeah. Money is a great tool to do a lot of things and do a lot of things fast. That's how you're able to get up to 47 uh, properties really quickly and that's how you kind of play the game with your day trading is because uh, you're you're trading at such a high volume 
there is a great uh, chance of making a lot of money, but you could also lose your shit if you uh, don't know your numbers or you don't understand patterns or you don't understand you know, all these different things. So that's why it is important to understand how money works, uh, understanding patterns, understanding uh, leverage and just learn about money. I, I think that a lot of people uh, just don't understand how money works. And when they hear that I have a million dollars in debt, they're like, oh my God, that is so yeah. horrible. And I'm just like, no, that I would actually be worse off if I didn't have that debt because one, I, I, I can write off all that interest uh, every year. So that's a benefit. I'm making money in cash flow. I get paychecks every, uh, I just got one, I, the eighth. Uh, my property manager, he just sends me checks uh, every month. I don't have to do anything. So it's completely passive for me. So I, I love real estate. I love uh, investing, but I also understand uh, leverage and I understand risk and my risk tolerance and understand that um, I need to have enough income to support in case yeah. the worst thing happened, like all of our tenants can't pay. Yeah. And so you have to have, uh, like for me, I have to hold a great amount of reserves to protect my assets too. So I think it's super important to uh, start investing early. Like when you were saying that you were investing in your son's um, college fund way before he was uh, born, I kind of have a similar strategy, but uh, Brendan Turner actually from Bigger Pockets uh, talked about how he bought a, his daughter a four unit uh, before <laughs> she was born. Yeah. And uh, he, I think he put it on a 15 year mortgage. So he had a lower interest rate. And by the time she was ready to go to college, he was like, okay, here's this paid off property. You can either live in it and rent out the other units or you can sell it and go to college and pay for your, uh, your tuition or whatever that might look like. Uh, you can live in one and then obviously rent out the others or rent them all out and then have that pay for your college. The option is yours. Uh, so if you know kind of the different exit strategies and uh, how to get into property, the world is your oyster because real estate offers so many different ways to get in and so many exit strategies to get out in case you lose your shit. And I think a lot of people think that just because you put down like say 20% down and you refinance and you pull equity out and you know, you keep uh, rolling over your equity into other properties, you're going to like at some point lose something, but unfortunately they're not unfortunately, Fortunately, you're able to sell the property and still pull equity out or pull your money out because there is exit strategies. You're not over leveraging. They're not allowing you to do 110% of the loan anymore. So all these different things kind of protect you when you do invest in real estate. Um, I know we kind of went off on a tangent on real estate, <laughs> but I definitely want to learn more about day trading and kind of what uh, kind of what stocks do you look at? What makes a good stock or what makes a bad stock? Do you, I mean, is dividends matter to you, even though you're day trading? How does that work? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Warren Buffett, if you listen to him, he's going to tell you only buy stocks with the dividends. But to me, that's more of a buy and hold right. strategy. If you're going to buy a, a stock for six months, not even six months, if you're going to buy it for years, meaning like if I invested in Amazon, Apple, any big retailer, and I'm sitting on it for, you know, five, if my long term is five years, 10 years, whatever it is, and every month I'm allocating money that keep going in to, you know, it's because that's called dollar cost averaging, right? So as a stock goes up and goes down, I'm writing it and you have a median all the way across. 
So sometimes you're gonna buy at the high end, sometimes you're gonna buy at the low end. So if that's your strategy and it's long-term, which is kind of, to me, it's archaic and that's a little old, uh, but those are the people back in the day that had the same job for 35 years, right. your dollar cost average, your stocks, you're buying the same one, you're holding it for the next 35 years, and you start with maybe $5,000, and by the time you retire, you have a 1.5 million, 2 million, whatever it is. So my rule of thumb is you can have that a lot quicker by day trading. Uh, like you said, though, you, you need an um, exit strategy in everything you do, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, never play with more than you can lose right. and don't gamble with money you don't have. You know, right. so, you know, with mine, I same thing with, you know, your, your assets. So say if you have the best thing I always tell people for long term is mutual funds, right? Because a mutual fund is comprised of individual stocks all the way across. You have some blue chip, S&P 500, you know, uh, small cap, large cap, mid cap. So, you know, that's a strategy in itself. Whereas mine, I want a stock that's between $1 and $1.20. That's my range, right? Yep. I want to buy as many of that sh shares of that stock in that day as possible. So if I have a stock saying sitting at, you know, I'll give you an example. So the one that you had earlier was a stock just the other day and I've traded it for the last five years. It's called WLL. It's in the oil industry. So I rode that stock both in my son's uh, account, college account, and I also wrote it in my 401k and I wrote it in my IRA and I wrote it in my regular portfolio and uh, bought it at $8 a share, wrote it all the way to $58 a share two years ago when oil was at the peak and then turned around and sold it, then turned around and shorted it on the way down. So that stock just started trading at, I bought 7,500 shares and I posted it actually on my Facebook stories and uh, 7,500 shares at 96 cents a share. So, but I know that stock again, I've been trading it for five years. So I know at some time that stock is probably going to go up to 10, 20, 15 bucks, depending on oil, unless oil doesn't tank. So that individual stock was going through bankruptcy. So kind of a risk because there's always a risk to everything. And so it was okay. Are they going to come out of bankruptcy or are they going to not? So I've traded the stock long enough to know they're coming out. They have a strong portfolio. So I bought 7,500 shares knowing I'm kind of taking a risk, sat on it for 48 hours. And then a friend called me, uh, I think it was last Thursday or Friday, and uh, said, hey, have you checked out WLL? I said, no, because I'm thinking in my mind, I'm holding this for three to four months, max, minimum, if not maybe even a year. And he says, it's trading right now at $23. So it went from 96 cents, it came out of bankruptcy and went to $23 a share. So, you know, do the math, $7,500 a share, you know, 96 cents to $23 a share, I made a ton of money. So yeah. I wrote it for one more day. It went up another two bucks and I sold. So, and now the smarter ones would have shorted it because it went from 23 now to 20. So I feel it's going to go back down uh, quite a bit more, but you know, that's, again, it's, it's, there's some risk involved in everything, but you have to be willing to risk, but you want smart risk. You want like, you want an educated gamble an educated risk. So that's where your homework comes in by researching or just by watching patterns of stocks. You know, so I always look anytime I do a stock before I even get in. Number one, does it trade a lot? Does it have high volume? You know, so that means the people, other people believe in the stock. And then two, how big is the flexibility between? Like, what's the difference between the low during the day and the high during the day? Do I have at least, you know, a 30 cent, 50 cent gap? And that's usually what I play with then. So I know it's going to fluctuate that much. So when I buy my shares, I can sit on it for a couple hours. And you talked about money or time, sorry, time management. So I'll buy it. I put, Usually, I don't know, right when the bell opens, 15 to 25 trades right off the get, get go. And then I'll just leave them on my phone. I let them sit for a while and then I get notifications as soon as the stock goes through. So then I stop what I'm doing. I bring up my phone or I bring up my laptop or wherever I'm at. And then I will actively trade that stock for the next five minutes.
So I'll buy in, I'll wait till it goes up, wait till it goes down. Usually I'll do like a 10 cent, 15 cent gap and then I'm out. And then I'll just rinse and repeat all day long. Wow. So how much time do you think you put into in a day, say like just starting out and then now, how much time do you think you have to put into uh, day trading? Well, I'll say, you know, as you start out and you have less available oh, funds to risk, you want to spend more time, right? So I can, the other thing is I'll play with stocks. Like I get the example earlier, RYI or WLL. Like if I put money in 7,500 shares, I can sit on that for six months and it's not going to hurt my bank account. I'm not living off that money. I don't need that money, but I know in the back of my head that money is going to make me money. It might not be tomorrow or the next day, but it might be in six months. People starting out don't have that opportunity, right? So you have to kind of go in with a little more research and you have to make money immediately. You know, so the other option is, you know, you, you spread yourself, you allocate accordingly. So don't just jump in. If you're going to day trade, you can't do one, two, three stocks because what if all three go belly up? Right. So you want to do 15, 20, right? Some are going to, and then short and long, you want to do both. So you want to do it to the point where you're, you're allocating your risk and you're minimizing it. So if I have five stocks that I lose money on, the other 15 are going to go up. So at the end of the day, I'm making money. So you kind of, you, you have to kind of play around with that as well and just find your sweet spot. So, I mean, what is your exit strategy with day trading? Because do you just roll your profits into the next uh, like day in a sense, or do you take some out and then reinvest it and put it into your long-term uh, funds? Do you just put it into real estate? How does that look? Yeah, absolutely. So I have different buckets. I have a real estate bucket. I have, uh, like I said, my kid's college fund, which now I'm not allocating money in towards, but so I'll put it into other stuff. So right now, my two major buckets are real estate. I, I'm refinancing them right now and putting them all on 10 year fixes. And then I'm going to take a percentage of my income and a percentage of my uh, capital gains. And I'm going to pay down my real estate as fast as possible. So my goal is to have everything paid off by 50, 55 at the latest. And that's my retirement. It's my built in retirement. Yeah. So not only do I have X amount of million dollars in appreciation of the actual asset itself, but I also have rents and rent increases of three to 5% a year that I can live off. So it's beating inflation. Right. So in regards to stocks, no, I've never, well, strike that. <laughs> I, uh, the house I'm living in now, um, I, I bought that off six months of trading. So, and it was originally going to be a flip. And so I need the flip money and I need the down deposit. Uh, so that was made off of six months of trading. So I saved that money. That was a, a direct um, purchase. That was something that I put money towards. And so I took that money out, but I've been trading for about four years, five years. And that's the only time I've ever taken money out. So normally I roll in the income back in and I trade more. So I'll give you an example, like the WLL, I used to trade a thousand shares at a time, right? Cause that's what I could afford. Right. It was 2,500. Now I'm up to 7,500 and that's one stock. So say eight months, a year from now, I'm probably gonna be trading 10,000 shares of that same stock at a time. So it just gives you more leverage and more opportunity to make more money. And what I love about what you said kind of a few minutes ago is, don't lose any money you can't afford to, or don't invest any money you can't afford to lose. And I think that what you do is obviously you spread your risk too. And I think a lot of people uh, don't spread the risk as much as they should. Um, and a lot of people just don't have exit strategies and ways to recover their money, or they just invest stuff that, or invest their money and gamble it, like, like you said. So uh, I think that the best people understand risk management, risk management, understand the value of time and money and know, see patterns, understand the game and like live it every single day. You can't just 
um, study theory and never actually go into it. You have to go into learn. I mean, when I first got into real estate, our first, <laughs> I'll tell you this funny story. Uh, I'll tell you two funny stories, actually. Our first rental property, uh, we went in, we, we were so excited. We got our first rental, Our we just closed on it and someone wanted to rent it out like that weekend. And I was like, yes, this is so cool, amazing. And so we uh, we went out, had dinner, celebrated. We had a tenant paying us. That was double our mortgage. And we were just like, sweet, we're, we're gonna be rich. And so uh, we went out to dinner and we we're gonna, it was, by that time it was pretty late and we weren't gonna drive back from Vegas to California because I was just, uh, I think it was at like 11 o'clock at night and to get home at like three o'clock in the morning would have been miserable. So we're like, okay, we'll just stay at state line and we'll just call it a night. So I get a call and she's this lady, she says, hey, Brennan, unfortunately, like there's nothing um, I can do, but my, my mom is really ill and I have to drive to California. Is there any way we can just tear up this lease and, um, you know, just shake hands and be on our way? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, let's, let's do it. So we met up and uh, she gave back the keys. We uh, exchanged the, the lease agreements, tore them up, put void, all that fun stuff. And I just had a bad feeling. I was just like, you know what? And this isn't like anything that they teach in uh, a real estate course or anything like that. This is just intuition or, or whatever. But I was just like, man, something feels wrong about this. So I called the locksmith that same night for an emergency locksmith and I had him change all the locks. And the next morning we grab the keys, we go check out the locks and um, the locks don't work or one of the locks don't work, the front door. And I'm like, man, didn't you guys like change the locks? And I called the guy and he's like, yeah, we changed them, we tested them. And so I put the key in there, it wasn't going in. And I look inside and there's a broken off key inside where the lady tried to come back, open up the door and uh, live in it uh, because she knew we were going back to California. She was gonna squat in our apartment. and. Uh, if I've never, they don't teach that. They don't, you know, it's just intuition. So luckily we, we got saved, but uh, we actually had a property manager who turned over that unit, not a property manager, a handyman who turned over that unit, uh, our second unit, and was now working on our fourth, uh, our fourplex. And so he uh, was like, hey, Brandon, uh, we need uh, five grand to turn over this first unit to get it started. I'm like, that's fine. That's pretty normal. Uh, to just very cosmetic, it wasn't like anything huge. So we invested, uh, gave him five grand and he was taking a little bit longer and he said, hey, Brandon, I need to uh, another five grand uh, to turn over the second unit and hire some help so we can get these done quicker. And he bounced and took my 10 grand and uh, you know they don't teach you anything in a real estate book on what you do after that. So I just called the cops and I said, hey, this guy stole uh, this money. He was a handyman, blah, blah, blah. And I guess he, long, uh, lo and behold, I guess he wasn't working without a, a business license. He ended up going to jail and he had to pay restitutions uh, to me. And I got my money, uh, part of it back. But, you know, just you have to be in the game and you have to, you have to, I mean, I'm sure you've had some failures uh, and lost some stuff. And we'll go over that in a second. But you have to learn from those failures and be okay with it. And that's why it's like you said in the very, very beginning means you can't be emotional about business. You have to understand the risk. You have to understand what you're getting into. And if you, you can't, like you said in the very beginning is invest anything you can't afford to lose. And yeah. so I knew that if I gave him $10,000, I could potentially lose it. Um, and I did, I did lose it. 
but I did get my money back or some of it uh, with time, but you know, it is part of the game and uh, you just have to understand those risks. And so I'm guessing you've had some, some losses too. Let's uh, <laughs> share some of those, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, two actually, I've, uh, I took a beating, which again, I talked earlier and it's interesting because you, I think you learn lessons <laughs> through failures, right? I mean, Oh yeah, definitely. The learning opportunities. So, you know, I think when I had at the peak, uh, it was, I still remember vividly June of 06, right when the market started, that was the first month of it, the market starting to go down and correct. And I had uh, 10, I was doing fix and flips, which now I, I laugh and I say fix and flops. Cause yeah. I had 10 homes that were on the market at the same time. So the first home I sold, I made like 155,000. The second home I made 90,000 and then three through 10, I was losing my, my butt. And so every penny that I made on the first and the second house, and then some, uh, was going to recover and I was losing $8,500 a month. And so <sighs> a lot of times investors at that point were just literally sending the keys back to the banks and walking away. Right. And, um, you know, I'm a man of faith and my, my father, uh, knew what I was doing at the time. And he said, Hey, you know, you, you're got bigger than your britches, you know, your, your mind, your uh, appetite's bigger than your stomach, you know, as, as he says. And, uh, he just said, it's the lesson you're going to learn, but you are not walking away from those properties. You're going to hold them until you don't have a penny left. And that, you know, I respect my father and he's a good businessman. And, you know, he's like, you got yourself in it. Now you get yourself out and you do it the right way. So, I mean, I've lost, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how much money, I almost probably half a million, uh, to be honest, um, in the course of probably 24 months. Uh, luckily, fortunate enough, I found uh, a hedge fund in New York City that bought at least 24 of those houses in a portfolio. So I didn't have to, uh, short sell them. I didn't. I just basically sold, got out. They wanted a cash flow strategy, so I already had tenants in them, so it worked out for them. So I was fortunate where I was released of that obligation, uh, but still held the other ones that I was losing my butt on. So you know, I was fortunate enough where I short sold a lot of them. I didn't have to foreclose on any of them, and I still have eight homes today. So and those are the ones I put down quite a bit more money from the very beginning. But you know, the lesson learned in that was you know don't get in over your head. Don't you know, I got greedy. I got rich. My, my, uh, investment strategy was, Hey, I'm going to retire at 35, you know, without many homes, had it appreciated just two more years, I would have been done. But you know, that's hindsight, right? Hindsight right. is 2020. And so I didn't have an investment strategy or an exit strategy rather. And the other thing about that was, is the hard lesson learned is money in real estate. And I'll tell everybody this from just learning it, the money is made on the front end, not the back end. The yep. sweeter the deal, the sweeter the juice. So, you know, that was a hard lesson to learn, you know, and, and the realtors was at that time in our market, similar to Phoenix market now, where literally homes are just boom, 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 they're selling, rent values are going up. And so I just tell people, be careful, you know, be careful with your strategy. And because it's not always going to be like that. There's always going to be a market correction. There's a top ceiling to everything. So that was that. Second option was um, in the financial and the mutual fund world or the stock market world. I bought a ton of shares uh, from JCP and I'm like, oh, this you know, this brick and mortar, it's been around forever, which it has. It's got a steady track record. I bought it, I think at like at $6 a share. And then I dollar cost averaged it all the way down to my dollar cost average right now is like a dollar four. Well, I mean, I think it's trading right now at 17 cents to 30 cents, sometimes 50 cents. And so literally at this point, I'm holding 35,000 shares and I'm either gonna make a lot of money or I'm going broke on it. <laughs> but the reason the life lesson of that is, you know, I did not put a stop hold on it, you know, and stop limit. And so I was like, it can't go down that more. It can't go down that more. Well, guess what it did? It went down like a dollar fifty overnight. 
Next night, it went down another $2. And so by that time, you've already lost so much money. So I dollar cost averaged it down, which some people will say that's dumb too. You're falling on a knife. But, you know, it's one of those things, risk reward, you know? So at this point, it's like, again, I'm playing with money that I'm willing to lose, not right. money that I'm off of, if that makes sense. So, no, definitely. you know, but the lesson learned is I was on it. I was in the production industry and I was on a, a show. So four days, you're working 15 hours a day. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just see how it goes when I get down. Well, by that time, I already went down three and a half dollars to four dollars in that four days. So I could have put a stop limit on. I did it. I gambled and I lost. And I lost big. So moral of the story is, you know, do your due diligence and never be too proud to lose money. You have to be willing to take the risk to lose money. So in, like for day trading, you know, if I'm if I'm buying 7,500 shares here and 5,000 shares here and 3,000 shares here, I'm going to lose money every day. So you can't go in thinking I'm always going to make money. I think that's the biggest misnomer from people is they always think they're just going to make money and it's easy, you know, and, and for some it is, but even if you talk, you know, talk to the top gurus, they still lose money too. Just over the cost or the time difference, they're making money over the long run. So if you take your, you know, I have some days now where it's like, I might lose a couple thousand, but, and that's, you know, some people will be like, oh my gosh, I can't lose a couple thousand. But in the course of 30 days, I'm making money because right. I have another, I have 31 days in the month or 30 days in a month, which is, you know, take off your weekends for trading. And, you know, uh, I have plenty of time to make that money back, but you have to do it smartly. So you can't go in trying to be so aggressive saying, hey, I'm going to win my money back on that stock. You leave that stock alone, refresh your brain and go after the stocks that you are winning on. That's amazing. I, I love that. that you, you did lose your shit. And that's fine. Uh, you're okay with that. It was a learning opportunity and you took that learning opportunity and you're going to grow from it. My, uh, my sister-in-law actually worked for JCPenney's as a, as an upper and she, um, she talked about how they were going to pull out all this money to buy a house when we were in California. And I think this was last year, maybe two years ago, um, when they, they did drop a lot of uh, in price for JC's penny stock. And right before that, they were going to pull out like all their their options and all that stuff in JC pennies. And they lost a great deal of money uh, in their 401k. Uh, I believe they also just recently pulled out the money. And I think it dropped even more recently. Um, and they, they were able to uh, at least save that money to purchase their house. So, um, you know, it, it, luckily for them, they, they did pull out at the right time. Uh, or the second to right time before it dropped even more, but uh, it's just a learning opportunity. And luckily, they are able to purchase their house in, here in Texas. And we actually purchased the house like two doors down and across the way, so we'll be spending oh, cool. a lot of time with them. Yeah. So, uh, where in California did you live? Since we're both, I live in a couple places. I lived in uh, Laguna Beach, well, at least Viejo, which is on yeah. the top of the hill. For uh, and I also lived in Huntington Beach, but I grew up in Cerritos, which is next to Long Beach. Yep, I am all familiar with all those areas. I uh, actually lived in Laguna Beach uh, before we moved here. Uh, the girl I was dating before my wife uh, was Annalisa Vijayo, and then we moved to Irvine. So I'm all familiar with all those areas. Uh, Cerritos too. I think there's a airport right around there, right? Yeah, the, well, there's the Long Beach Airport, and then uh, there's probably have Santa Monica and Long Beach. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Uh, great place to live but it's very uh expensive and it's very uh now it's going to crap but uh <laughs> for a whole different topic and uh my mom actually lives in mesa and in arizona sure. so uh yeah we uh we share a lot of the similar areas so um so eric where can more people find out about you 
Uh, do you have a website? Uh, do you have just Facebook? Tell us a little bit more where people can find out more about you. And do you have a program in day trading or do you just do it kind of as fun? No, you know what? I could, I, I've thought about that as well, as far as monetizing and, and, and making a living off it. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's one of those things as a passion. And then once you start making money as a career option, which is an option, uh, kind of the passion goes away and then it's more of an obligation versus right. passion. So I've decided that since I, you know, I make a significant amount of money on it as a secondary option, I'm, I'm blessed to, to have that. It's just the other part is when I give financial information to others, I also feel internally obligated to make sure for their success. Right. So then it also takes away from my own strategies and my own success because now I'm pouring into others, which is amazing, but that's not my primary objective for day trading. Right. So as you can see on the bottom, people are like, why is this guy talking about finances? And it says health coach. <laughs> so that's, you know, I've dived into that for the last two years and I am a, a health coach and I help people lose weight via nutrition. So uh, as opposed to the gym. So that's kind of where my time and efforts have been spent. Uh, which allows me the time at home to day trade, allows me the time to do real estate, to do flips, to do other things that I'm passionate about. And so, uh, you know, mainly it's, you know, Facebook and Instagram, uh, you know, I'm a pretty decent following. And, but uh, as far as websites, you know, I, ha I haven't really dove into that. That's another niche in itself, but that's coming. Yeah, no, definitely. I, it was funny because I, I feel like we're like, you're like an older clone of me because I was a, pers <laughs> I was a personal trainer before this. Uh, that's how I got into uh, to real estate is because uh, and health and wealth, I think, go hand in hand because mm -hmm. if you don't understand uh, your body, your, your mindset, uh, it's going to cost you in the long run to make a substantial amount of money because you're going to be investing in your health and you're going to have to invest in your health instead of, um, you know, just working on it now. Uh, yeah. you're, it helps. I mean, for me, it helps with my confidence helps with getting more energy. I just started getting the nootropics. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if I'm spelling that correctly or saying that correctly, but uh, I'm just starting that. And that's all about um, becoming limitless in a sense. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever seen that movie Limitless where they take a little pill and they can like open up their cognitive abilities oh, yeah. uh, like a thousand percent. Um, I just bought these. I haven't even jumped. Oh, you can't see them. I just yep, there you go. Those, but um, okay. But let's actually take a step back. What do you do in health? I know you said nutrition, but uh, you help people lose weight. Mm -hmm. uh, did you are you a certified nutritionist, or do you just understand the the benefits of eating right, eating correctly, and uh, providing your body with optimal fuel um, so that you can actually perform at your peak every single day? Yeah, it's the latter. So I don't have an education per se. You know, I don't have an exercise science degree or anything of that nature. So it's more of a passion that turned into reality and then turned into I'm part of a network marketing company as a lot of others are as well. And then just kind of taking that to not only to work for myself, which is similar to most people's stories, it works for yourself first. Uh, right. I in cancer and gained a lot of, not a lot, but, you know, a decent amount of weight. And I was pre-diabetic, uh, as thin as I am, uh, due to the way I ate and so on and so forth. So I had to make some changes. So I made some changes in my personal life and, and that transformed into just me helping others and turned passion into business. And uh, so now it's just, I pay it forward. So it's, it's been a blessing and, you know, I've had some great clients and some great wins and uh, you know, that is a business where it's 100% about them, not about right. me. So, and, and I like that because internally, you know, I think the best satisfaction you can get in any business is helping others. Yeah. So that's where it's times, you know, time is, you know, best spent doing that.
And if someone, I mean, what, what is your perfect audience so that if someone is looking for health advice, uh, sure. what would be someone that, who would want to work with you? Someone who just wants to lose weight, someone who is diabetic, someone who wants to be a bodybuilder. What, what kind of person does that look like? It's mostly, you know, I, I do, I have a few people that want to gain weight. I don't really specialize in that, but I'll take it on if, if they ask, you know, for personal relationship wise, but I'm not marketing towards that. Uh, more so, I would say between 40 and 55 is my avatar range. Uh, reason being is, you know, people's metabolism, both female and males, metabolism slows down. So that's the biggest thing for weight loss is a lot of times our joints, our bones, everything's not working correctly. It takes longer to heal. They, obviously, COVID comes into play. So people aren't out, out exercising or being as energetic as they would like to be. So it's a lot easier to, to gain weight, uh, especially during this time. So really focusing on helping, you know, fathers, mothers of that nature that have kids that are busy, that uh, don't have time to eat right, to prep, uh, you know, or to exercise. So I cover, you know, the gamut on those things. So we start with nutrition and then nutrition leads into exercise. And is this a, and that's a lot of people do that wrong as they try and out exercise their nutritional plan which is not the that's not a great strategy at all no uh, i'll leave that to the experts uh <laughs> i don't do that anymore and i don't want to take any clients on but uh what would you like do you guys with your company that you uh are promoting do you have like a nutritional plan do you have meal like shakes can i order like meals to go what is it that you guys offer yeah, absolutely. It's it's a variation of both. So shakes, bars, also pre-meal. So it's the, the idea of eating six times a day, you know, and, and smaller meals. So it's portion control. And so a lot of people, you know, calorie deficit, calorie in, calorie out. So a lot of times, you know, I equate it to like a car, right? If you have a high performance car, there's usually three grades of fuel you can put into your car. There's 87, uh, there's, was it 87, 89, 91. And if you're in California, you have a higher ethanol, which is 93. So most high-end cars at a minimum need 91, correct? So equate that to your body. Your body is the high-engine car. So if I'm feeding my body crap, i.e. the 87, you know, my body, i.e. the car, is not going to run as proficient as well as if I fed it the 91. So look at is food as fuelings, and you're fueling your body. So what you put in is what you get out. So if I want brain, you know, thought patterns, if I want energy, if I want higher metabolism, I need to eat right. So it's, it's not rocket science, I tell people, but you have to have the discipline and the structure in order to make it happen. I love that you just said that because I use that analogy all the time. I've never actually heard anyone use that analogy. Uh, so you are the older twin of me, I've already decided because uh, I used to say, like, our bodies are like a Ferrari, right? Like, you can't, and I, most of my clients when I was training would drive like BMWs, Lexuses, they had to have wealth because, um, well, they were working with me. And so uh, I would always ask them, like, hey, like, you drive a, a BMW, you drive a Porsche. Like, what are you putting into your car? Oh, yeah, 93, 91. Like, would you put that into your, like, would you put 87 into your vehicle? Because if you do that, it's just going to be sluggish. And they're like, no way, that would ruin my engine. And I was like, well, that's what exactly what you're doing with your body when you're putting in fast food or soda or alcohol. All these things are just wearing down your gears. Um, I don't know cars, but uh, whatever uh, the engine does with its um, those things that go up and down, uh, like where the gas explodes. <laughs> what was that? Pistons. Yeah, pistons. pistons. Like you're going to wear down your pistons, and ultimately you're just going to ruin your car. And so you would never do that. So why did you do that to your body? Um, yep. And yeah, I I totally agree, and I'm so glad you actually said that analogy because. Uh, I also say it's like rocket fuel for your body. Like yeah. you wouldn't put, if you have a rocket, you're not going to put regular gas in it. You're going to put rocket fuel. So 
Eric, I love that you you said that. I love all the knowledge bombs that you dropped today. That was amazing. I can't. It makes me want to day trade so much uh, <laughs> just by doing, just by learning from you and just hearing what you had to say today. I think it's really cool that you. Oh, actually, I'm gonna one last question before we leave. Um, is there like a minimum amount of stocks that you should be able to purchase when you get into day trading? Like, it seems like day trading seems to you can't just be like buying, like you said in the very beginning, one stock or two stock. What is kind of like the baseline you should kind of have willing to invest before you get into day trading? Sure, sure. So a lot of the platforms similar to like uh, TradeStation, you know, Schwab has their own, Fidelity, they, everybody has their own platform. But Robinhood is probably the best platform for beginners because it doesn't have like the uh, you know, 595 or it's free trading basically. So they make their money off advertising. Uh, TradeStation, the minimal investment into TradeStation is 5,000. So, you know, that's usually the, the number that you want to start with. So that's, uh, you know, a goal to shoot for. However, you can still learn, um, you know, to trade on other platforms. The other thing which is really nice about TradeStation, so for those that are beginning, is they actually have a like a simulator. So you can actually trade within TradeStation and use their money uh live it's not actually investing the money live but it acts as if so you can gain the knowledge you can do options in that you can do day trading you also do forex and it gives you the opportunity to play around with it um as if you were investing live and you're and you're using their kind of fake money but that's a great way to learn the industry and to kind of self-teach yourself uh how to do it that's amazing eric thank you so much uh one more time where can people find you on facebook say your whole name uh and then uh just go ahead and say, I know you don't have a website, so if there's any other places that people can get in contact with you about if they have health problems, if they want to learn, um, you know, anything, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just pretty much, uh, I am Eric DeBee is my Facebook, just facebook.com. I am Eric DeBee. And, and then, how do you spell DeBee? I know you spell a little bit different. Yeah, it's uh, D is in David, E is in Edward, capital B is in Bravo, I-E. Perfect. Yeah. And I am Dave, uh, Eric DeBee. Is yep. uh, how you find them on Facebook. I'm guessing you can Google that too and find you pretty easily yep. on Facebook if you can't uh, spell his name correctly because I would definitely ruin it. Uh, thank you so much, Eric. It's been a pleasure. This was amazing. Uh, I learned so much and I hope our viewers also. So, uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Yeah, I would. Uh, the biggest thing is I tell people start early. Start early. You're never too young to start investing, literally. So, the earlier you can start, the better your future will be 15, 20, 25 years from now. So, and even if you think you don't have the money, you have the money. So even if it's five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, put it aside, put it in some kind of investment that's going to make you more than 10% a year and just let it ride. Perfect. Eric, you are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and I'll talk to you Thank soon. You. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, if you love this episode, go ahead and rate and subscribe to it. I really appreciate the feedback. And if you don't, go ahead and unsubscribe. I'm just kidding, don't unsubscribe. Go ahead and send me an email and tell me how I can improve. Thanks so much, have a good one guys, peace.